chapter 18, if you would, Revelation chapter 18, part 2. You say, oh man, I missed part 1. If you did, that's okay. We're going to hopefully just be of help to you this evening. Uh, but this morning we looked at a passage uh, here in Revelation chapter 18, and we sought to encourage you with uh, really just uh, one statement that's found uh, at the end of verse 8 that ultimately tells us what chapters 17 and 18 are all about. Revelation 17 and 18 are when God, uh, in might and power, in a future day, during the time of what we would call the, the tribulation period here on this earth, God shows himself to be the mighty God that he is and shows his power and might in defeating the power that will be, the, uh, the, the Antichrist and the beast, and he will show himself to be greater than these. Both in chapter 17 and 18, he talks about or deals with the fall of Babylon. And Babylon is where the source of that power, if you would, uh, this world ruler has the source of his power. Remember we said in, in uh, verse 7 uh, that uh, she was arrogant. Babylon was arrogant, saying, I'm queen and I'm not going to know any sorrow. And then God, in just, uh, in, in just if you would, one day, uh, brings judgment. And it's all because what? We serve a strong God. In fact, let's just say that last phrase together of verse 8. Would you join with me at that word for? Join with me. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And again, it's all Babylon that's being talked about, and it's an encouraging thought to be reminded that we serve a powerful God, a God that has strength and God that has ability. And the question we asked this morning or the statement we brought out this morning, our purpose was not to preach uh, a, a message on the end times per se, but just to bring out that point that we serve a great God and a God that is able to, if you would, put down the most powerful man that probably will ever um, rule in this world. Uh, there have been some very great men, Alexander the Great, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, great powers in this world, and all of them have fallen oh, throughout history. This one, though, this uh, this beast, the the great one, the 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 beast and the um, uh, yeah, okay, the the Antichrist, yeah, the Antichrist uh, is going to be the most powerful man in the world. And yet God is going to totally destroy him and bring him to naught. And we'll judge him. And the, the Antichrist, uh, the, the beast and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire uh, forever and ever. And we'll be judged. And 17 and 18 are all about that. And we were reminded we serve a great and strong God. And this morning, uh, I had the opportunity to... To go into it, but I would have been really long. So this morning I said we were going to look at how a believer today can be encouraged by the truth of verse 8. Strong is the Lord God that judgeth her. Not just in knowing what God will do someday, but how God works today. Look, God is still strong today. I'm encouraged and I'm reminded of the truth. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The same God, as we mentioned this morning in Genesis 1, that created the world and spoke the world into existence. That in six days God said, uh, let there be, and, and there was. And that God made all things and that they were good. That all those things that were done by God in Genesis chapter 1 in, in six days and then the seventh day he rested. 
Uh, that same God is alive today. He will show his power at the end of time, but he shows his power today, and he is still strong today, and he wants you to know his strength. So that's all introduction. Let's turn uh, now, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to have you turn to a few different passages because we're on the last point, which was the, the point that I really did want to spend a little bit of time on this morning, and we didn't get there all that much. We were just able to kind of get you where I just took you here in a few moments. But I want you to see God's supply for today. Look, our God is strong, and we are told and encouraged in the Word of God to find strength, our strength in Him. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I, I have... Uh, a great ability with the God who lives within me, who is empowering me. Uh, my grace is sufficient for thee. There are many promises you and I can claim each and every day that, that remind us that power is available for Christian living. Uh, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me. There's so many scripture verses that remind us there's a God in heaven who has strength, who has power, who has ability, and he wants you to enjoy it. And tonight is my prayer that you'll, if you would, uh, uh, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, tap into the supply of God's power and God's strength because he wants you to know it. And in the word of God, he's promised it. And uh, so uh, may we all be encouraged tonight as we look at that truth. You're in Ephesians chapter 6, one of a few different passages that we'll talk about and remind us of the strength of God and the importance of making it part of our life today. Uh, in fact, verse 10 reminds us of it. Say it with me. Join with me, if you would. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we want you to learn about that and other things from God's word. Let's pray. Father, please uh, give us understanding tonight, strength and help. We do need your power. We need your wisdom we need your spirit to uh, open our understanding of Bible truth. You promised to do that. You gave us the spirit to help us understand the word of God. And so I pray that he would uh, help us to see what we ought uh, from the pages of Scripture. May we be appropriately challenged, exhorted, encouraged tonight, please, to, that we might see that strength to be a victorious Christian the strength to face difficulties of life, the power to make each and every day as a victorious Christian is readily available and can be had by every person who's part of the family of God. And may we, Lord God, uh, be encouraged by that and learn to, to avail ourselves of the strength that you have promised. And I will thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2007, there was a preacher who, in Florida, was telling his congregation the story of an elderly woman named Norina. She lived in southern Florida, and when a hurricane hit that area, her home was one of many that had been severely damaged. Uh, Norina did what anyone would do. She went to the insurance company, received an insurance settlement, and the repair work began for her home. But, unfortunately, the money ran out. And when the money ran out, the contractor ran out, left her uh, with an unfinished home with no electricity. Norina 
not knowing what to do, just lived in her dark, unfinished home without power. Now, uh, as he was sharing this in 2007, that didn't seem like all that amazing thing or astonishing, but it was an astonishing thing, the preacher said, uh, because uh, it wasn't a major storm called Katrina that had happened two years before where she had lost power and where her home had been damaged. It was Hurricane Andrew. For 15 years, she was without electricity in Florida. Yeah. A home she lived in that was, was dark. She had no heat in her home for 15 years when the southern or when the winter chills settled over southern Florida. She had uh, no air conditioning when the mercury climbed into the high 90s and the humidity uh, clung to 100% during the summer. Um, she didn't have one hot shower for 15 years. Without money to finish the repairs, Norena just got by with a small lamp and a single burner. That was it. Her neighbors didn't seem to notice the absence of power in her home. But the preacher said it didn't end there. Acting on a tip one day, the mayor of the Miami-Dade area got involved. And get this, it only took a couple hours of work by an electrical contractor to return power to Norena's house. CBS News was there and reported that Norena planned to let the water get really hot and then take her first bubble bath in a decade and a half. And she said, it's hard to describe having the electricity to switch on. It's overwhelming. The preacher concluded the message by asking this. He says, tell me, how many Christian true believers have been living their entire lives without ever knowing what it's like to have the overwhelming power of God operating within them. How many are living, in a sense, like Norena, in a house without power that could readily have it? Um, I wonder if that's a good question to ask ourselves. Uh, we mentioned this morning, there are so many different areas and so many different ways that we can, we can get discouraged in life. We can get discouraged by politics. If, if anyone that's a Christian who loves God and loves God's word isn't concerned about politics today and what's going on in our country, they must, have, they must have their eyes closed because what's going on is not a very encouraging at all. There are so many different things for us that we can be discouraged about. We can be discouraged about physical things. We can be discouraged about uh, the spiritual climate that we find within our nation and around our area. We can be discouraged about all sorts of things, but the truth of the matter is we have a strong God. We have a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. We have a God who is able to do wonderful things, amazing things on our behalf. Not, is anything too hard for the Lord? God asked uh, one, of his, one of his saints at one time. And it isn't too hard for God to do anything. And so what, how do we find the supply of God's strength? It's one thing to know it, but you know there's a lot of Christians living with a house without power on. Seriously. There are Christians who live depressed lives, and they shouldn't. There are Christians who live discouraged and defeated in their Christian walk, and there shouldn't be. There are Christians who are controlled by the political scene and are devastated by the fact that there are wicked people in power that seem to be having their way. 
There are people that are controlled by Christians, controlled by their circumstances and things around. And it's as if they just don't have strength. It's like there's no power on in the house. And uh, maybe in some cases it's been that way for 15 years. Well, well, where do you find power? Where do you find help? I am so glad that uh, you've asked that question tonight because God uh, gives us the answer. And I wanted you to start in Ephesians 6. I really wasn't going to start there. But as I was pondering some things this afternoon, uh, because uh, I I was going to just quickly give you these things, but wanted to ponder some more a little bit, some of the thoughts from God's Word. I was encouraged as I thought about Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Because God tells us, notice again in verse 10, the clear words, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, you say, well, there's nothing really amazing about that, but I'm going to give you a number of words, five or six different words. Let's start with the letter C that uh, should encourage you. And the first, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, is that power, strength from God. Knowing God's strength is a choice. Do you see that in verse 10? He, he doesn't say, hey, look, there is, there is strength that God has, and you need to avail yourself of it. He says this, be strong in the Lord. In fact, I had never really noticed it that way before. In Ephesians chapter 6, we often talk about putting on the armor of God, and we may make reference to that a little bit later on, because there's another truth that starts with the letter C that we may mention from the passage. But it is very important for us to note that God's strength and God's power, the same strength that is available in, in Revelation chapter 18 or talked about, the same strength and power that was available in Genesis chapter 1, that that power, that that strength and ability of God is available and that it's a matter of choice. If I don't have it, if I am down and defeated and discouraged and controlled by my circumstances and I am not living in God's strength, the problem is not with God. It's not God withholding it and saying, you can't have it and I won't give it to you necessarily. It's ultimately the fact that we have chosen not to have it. Because God wants us to know his strength. He wants us to know. In fact, the, the author says, hey, this is, we could even use the word command, couldn't we? This is a command. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. As if it's here. God's got it. He's ready to give it to you. But you have to make the choice to say, I'm going to avail myself of the power that God has. So if we are going to understand and experience, if you would, and enjoy the strength of God for everyday life to help us face family problems, to help us face physical problems, to help us face political problems, to help us face spiritual difficulties and battles, whatever it may be, then we've got to first come to a place where we say, okay, God has it. God wants to give it to me. God has makes it available to me, and I need to make the choice, and I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm no longer going to live controlled by my circumstances. I'm no longer going to live controlled by this, this situation or this problem or this difficulty. I am going to look to God and find his strength. It is a choice that I can make. And actually, there's some things that I can do. So choice. Uh, the choice to have his power, to have his strength. The second thing that, uh, that we could challenge with, and again, this is one of those, uh, one of those messages where, uh, well, actually, I had thought we might just turn to one passage, but we're going to look at a, a number of them. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. How do I get the strength of God? How can I enjoy it? Well, it's a choice, and I can make the decision. 
to have the power of God, it's available. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have that great, uh, as they call it, the hall of faith, where we read about different men who experienced and, and, and walked, well, they walked with God. And they were men of faith who made the decision, and I put the word confidence, uh, confidence in him. Not just choice, that I am going to be strong in the Lord because he said it's available and it's there and readily available for me. For me, Like Norita, you know, the, the, the power's there. It's just a matter of allowing it to be turned on, to affect and impact my life. But the second thing is confidence in him. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, and we read these words, and you know, in fact, many of you have it memorized. So let's say it together, all right? We'll do that a little bit tonight. In Hebrews 11.6, join with me. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, we'll find, we find, as we go through this, this hall of faith, people who are empowered by God to do amazing things. Don't we? All right, so, so how did they accomplish what they accomplished? You know what it was? Confidence, faith. Confidence in the fact, uh, in, in a number of things. Um, you know, after the service, someone said something like this uh, to me this, this morning. God has the strength and the power, but he doesn't always work in the way we'd like to see him work. Now, they didn't say it exactly like that, but that was basically the idea. Now, that's true. You know, there are times we want God to work in a certain way. We want, want to see someone saved, but God isn't going to force anyone to be saved. That is the decision and choice they need to make on their own. There are things that we would like to see, I'm sure, that we might pray about, that we would desire, but God may not work exactly in the way that we have planned. So is it that we failed to get God's strength? Or maybe has God's strength been known, but maybe in a different way than we would ever ever have thought? Um, the comment was made as we were discussing that a little bit. Um, the argument was God is uninterested or God is unable, but sometimes God's plan is different than ours. It's true. But you know, this point in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 is, is part of that battle. It's a confidence that I need to have a confidence if I want to see God work, that God will do what is best and right because God is a just and a holy and a righteous God, and God always will do what is best in my life. So the strength that he gives me, I have to be confident, will be sufficient for whatever results come from the situation that I'm in or what discourages me or what seems to get me down. A confidence that there is a God in heaven who loves me, who cares for me, and who is going to do what's best in my life. By the way, a confidence that Romans 8, 28 and 29 is true, whether we can understand it or see it or not. So that, okay, Lord, I wouldn't choose this path, but... You are going to give me the strength to make it through this way, whatever way you so choose. And I'm going to have the confidence to believe that your word is true. You will do what is best. You will do what is right. And that, Lord, you will give the grace that I need. If I want God's strength, I need to have faith. I need to have confidence that God will do what is right, that God will do what is best, because a loving, holy, just God will always do what's right. Always.
confidence. I need that kind of confidence. The battle for strength really does begin with faith. Um, by the way, not only faith and confidence that God will do what's right, but a, a confidence that God is bigger than your problems and able to meet the need. Look, God is, God is bigger than the circumstances you're in. He is. But do you have the confidence? Do you believe that? Do you really believe strong is the Lord God that judgeth her in Revelation 18? Do you really believe that God created the world in six days? Do you really believe and are you confident that God said he has power and he wants to make it available and he, his power is sufficient enough uh, to meet your needs? Um, area of confidence. We could probably make a long list here. I've just given you a few. The belief that God wants to meet your needs. You know, the confidence that God really does care about what bothers you. Have you ever felt, oh, this isn't a big, big deal. You know, I shouldn't be bringing it to the Lord. You say, oh, I would never feel that way. I hope you don't. But you ever just kind of like, well, you know, why, why should God be concerned about this? Because he's concerned about you. And part of having God's strength is believing that God really does care about my situation. That God is concerned about what I'm going through and what I feel and what, what, uh, what I'm experiencing in life. And that he wants to do what's best for me. You know, God is able. God is able. We sing that chorus, he's able, he's able, I know he's able, I know he's able to carry me through. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. Uh, uh, and then we sing the rest of it. And sometimes we just sing it. He heals the brokenhearted. He sets the captive free. He makes, made the lame to walk again, caused the blind to see. You know, shouldn't those things be a reminder that, look, he's able. He is. He is. So I have to have confidence in that fact. Uh, I think Peter exhibited that in Luke chapter 5. Did anyone remember that passage recently? And no, okay, you've slept since last week. But in Luke chapter 5, uh, Peter, in the first decision he had to make, remember when he said, Lord, we've, we've toiled all night. We, we've fished all night. We've, we've been out casting nets all night, and we've caught nothing. But what does he say? Here's confidence, right? Nevertheless, at thy word, we'll let down the net. I don't know how it could be. I don't know how it could happen. But Lord, you've said it. And so here I am, acting in faith upon what you told me. Confidence. Listen, people. Um, if we don't know strength for a difficulty, it may be that we just don't believe God. We don't have confidence that God is going to do right, that God has the ability to do right, or in some way we just don't have the confidence we need in God. Someone wrote a poem expressing God's ability, and it's real simple. He said, it says this, He is able. Oh, the comfort that these simple words convey. Oh, what rest they sweetly give us. Fear thou, fear thou not, they seem to say. It's kind of simple, isn't it? Look, he is able. He is able. So the choice, 
the confidence. The third is condescension. You say, condescension? What are you talking about? Well, if I want to have the power of God, where is it going to come? Well, um, it's interesting. And in fact, let's just take a moment. Turn to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We've made reference to it, and we may make reference to it again uh, in many different ways, in many different places, because it's a powerful passage about the strength of God, the ability of God, the power of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul has that thorn in the flesh. And, um, and this thorn in the flesh was given, lest he should be exalted above measure. He besought the Lord, verse 8, three times, God, take this away. God, remove this. God, I am, you know, Lord, this is hindering my service for Christ. God, take it away. And he was, by the way, I think very confident that God would do that. In fact, it seems as if, at least a little bit, that maybe he was bothered by the fact that it hadn't happened because he knew that God does work and that God can work miraculously and God can do amazing things. And he saw this as a hindrance and that he believed confidently that God wanted to remove it. But God taught him something different in verse 9, didn't he? So as we've already done, we've read a number of verses. Join with me and let's read it. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, it's an interesting. Grace and power are, are put in tandem here in this verse. God says, my grace is sufficient. My power. God's grace is God's power. Remember, we gave you an, an, an ex... Grace is not just God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a, that's a real pretty statement that takes the letters and makes an acrostic, but that is not a good definition of grace. Grace is, according to this passage and many others in Scripture, the supernatural enabling of God to do for weak sinners what we cannot do for ourselves. That's what grace is. So that in salvation, when God gives grace, he does something that I as a weak sinner cannot do on my own. I can't save myself. God does that work, grace. He empowers me to become a child of God. Not by any ability that I have. In the Christian life, grace is the same thing. It's the supernatural enabling of God. To, to do for me what I could not do for myself. I didn't have the ability to do. So that Paul has this thorn in the flesh. God gives grace, the supernatural enabling, the strength, the power of God so that he can endure and live with the thorn. Ah, that goes back to confidence, doesn't it? So we have the lesson. Now you say, well, condescension, or, or, what does that have to do with grace. Well, I'm glad you asked. Because we saw that God has grace or power, strength, right? Okay, how do you avail yourself of grace? James chapter 4. Anyone heard that verse before? That passage before? It's beat into the ground sometimes during revival meetings, but it's true. And it's a wonderful promise. In James chapter 4, God says he giveth more grace. 
Notice, if you would, in verse 6, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. So here's condescension. But he gives grace to the humble. So I want to know God's strength. I want to have God's strength in daily life. God has great strength, great power. Strong is the Lord that judgeth her. Uh, Revelation 18 says. Uh, the, the power of God was evidenced in creation. The power of God has been evidenced throughout history because God hasn't lost one iota of power since the beginning of time. He is the all-powerful one. And he makes that available. So why don't I have it? Well, if I, uh, I don't have grace because sometimes I'm too proud to come to God and humble myself before him. Condescension. Um, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Condescension. I say, God, I, I don't have strength. Sometimes we live discouraged because we're not willing to come to God and say, I need it. I don't have it. And I can't make it without your strength. I need your grace. Condescension. Um, do you know that this is actually repeated in 1 Peter chapter 5? L look at it if you would. Now he, he's talking about a little different. He's talking about actually pastors first five verses, he talks about the younger submitting themselves unto the elder, and everyone be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, which is interesting because it relates that to grace. And that's being under authority, listen, God-given authority in this earth, not under God's authority even. Do you see that? Younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. All of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. Well, why? Because God's works with people who are humble. God gives grace to people who are hunger, humble. And he uses this, almost the same statement as James chapter 4. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto them. I want to know the strength of God. I want to know the power of God. I want to know the enabling of God. I want to have God's strength. I don't want to be discouraged. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be controlled by the political scene. I don't want to be under the, the and live in the, in the way I am miserable about my family. I don't want to whatever you're battling with. All right, then, um, then come before God humbly, understand you need him. That his supernatural power poured out into your life and your situation because you can't make it. God brought Paul to that place in 2 Corinthians 12, as we've just read. Paul said, I got this thorn. Lord, it's hindering, obviously, it's hindering my work. Why would Paul pray about it unless it was something that was affecting his life and ministry? Because that's what his life was all about. He said, God, you've got to do something. And God says, Paul, I, I've got strength for you. Strength sufficient. You can live with this. Hey, look, you, you, it's easy to say. It's not easy when you're going through it, but you can live with the medical condition you have. You can live with the family you have. 
You can. God's strength is available. But you've got to be willing to humble yourself, condescension. Say, okay, God, I'm coming to you and I'm relying on you. I'm looking to you. I need it. I can't make it. I am discouraged. (laughs) And he would say, I knew that. I was waiting for you to admit it. What do you think? Don't you think God at, at times has to be like, come on. <laughs> come on, just admit it. Admit it! Tell me what I can see. It's like, you know, some, some kid who, who tells his dad, I can carry my own suitcase. He's going to the airport, you know, it's just, or his dad's suitcase, it's a big suitcase. He's like, no, I, and he's not getting anywhere. He's not moving anywhere with it. And dad's just sitting there almost laughing inside saying, you know, son, just tell me you can't do it. Admit it. truth is, some of us live with the lights out in the house because we're not willing to admit the power's not on. And we need it. Condescension. God wants us to know his power. You see, Paul didn't specifically or give any specifics there in Philippians 4. But in other passages, God does indeed tell us how to have his strength. Um, you're in 1 Peter chapter 5, right? Look at the verses that follow. Verse 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And then what does he tell us in verse 7? Say it with me. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Next word is casting. Condescension and then casting. Casting your care upon him. Uh, Okay, God, I need strength. Here's what it is. Here's what I'm going through. Here's my thorn in the flesh. God, this is my problem. This is my difficulty. When I look at this, when I see this, I've got this family problem. Lord, this issue is bothering me. It is a problem in my life. I need strength. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Take your burden to the Lord. Isn't that funny that that song, I, every time, I don't, I don't think anything other than what the song says, take that burden, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Casting your care upon him for he cares for you. Ask and receive. The supply of strength comes to those who humbly ask God for it. Condescension. I am, I'm weak. I need you. God, I, I'm asking. Um, and God has promised uh, that he cares. Is, isn't that an amazing thing? Um, don't you think if you, were, uh, if you were the president of the United States, don't you think you'd have enough on your plate to not worry about some, some guy in Albuquerque? You know? Who doesn't have power in his house? You know, don't bother me with that. I got enough problems of my own as a president. You know, I got I got these meetings that I got to go to, and I I got uh, I got Korea, and I've got all these different problems, and I I've got um, I, I've got well I've got the Congress, 
And man, they're giving me a big headache. Wouldn't you say, man, why would the president be interested in some guy in, in uh, New Mexico that, that uh, you know, stubbed his toe and he's hurting? Or, he, you know, he, he broke his foot and he needs medical care, but he doesn't have the money for it. Then, then think about this. The God of heaven who is holding everything by the word of his power right now is interested in your stub toe or in your broken foot or in the power that's out in your house or what's going on in your life with your family. So much so that he says, hey, put it on me. Give it to me. That's part of condescension, by the way. Rolling it on him, casting all your care upon him. Roll it upon him and leave it with him. And then, then uh, God speaks of that grace in this passage, casting upon him. Um, look, if you would, at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. This is where I said we might look, or I, I thought about looking for the entire uh, message. But be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring liner, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And what's the next phrase say? Okay, here we go. Let's say it just that first phrase. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. Okay, there we have, uh, I'm going to stop right there, okay? Uh, faith, we have confidence. In the faith, not really the confidence necessarily, um, but uh, in your Christian walk, whom resist? God gives us a responsibility. I, I put it this way, conduct. You say conduct. What, what do you mean? Conduct yourself in accordance with the word of God. I want to have God's strength. Okay, then I have to make a choice that I'm going to seek God's strength. I have to have the confidence that God will give that strength. I need to condescend. I need to put myself down and say, God, I need it. I can't make it. I am dependent upon you. I need to cast my care upon him. But I need to be conducting myself in accordance with his word, in obedience, whether I feel like it or not, whether I believe it's the answer or not. Nevertheless, at thy word, Peter, remember going back to, to Luke chapter 5, at your word, Lord, I will do it. I don't understand how it could happen. I don't understand why, but I am going to do what you have told me to do. I am going to act in obedience and in accordance with your word, Lord God. And that's what we find in this passage. Hey, God wants to exalt. God wants to give us power. God wants to give grace. But, look, he's not going to do it if we're not willing to do our part. And you, you say, well, wait a second. He's talking about resisting your adversary. We're all in the same context here. We haven't left this. matter of living for God and serving God. And having God's power and knowing God's strength for everyday life. And part of that comes at God. You say, well, Pastor, I don't really see it there. All right, you don't see it there. Then go back to Ephesians chapter Ephesians chapter 6. And keep your place, because we may even make reference again to it. But, but turn back to Ephesians 6, if you would, please. Ephesians 6 tells us, finally, my brethren, here's the, the be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, God has strength to battle against Satan and his forces to help me win the victory. Does the instruction end there? 
Okay, what does God tell you needs to happen? Well, I want to know your strength, Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. Do you not see personal responsibility? Do you not see you need to be conducting yourself in obedience and in accordance with the word of God? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's funny because God said be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Where does God's strength come? You know where God's strength comes? You know where God's power comes? When I step out in faith, obediently following what he told me to do. When did Peter's net get full of fish? Not until it was put in the water. In obedience, whether he understood it or not. So when did he find God's strength and God's power? Not until he obeyed. We, we talk about Acts 1.8. God will give you the power to be a witness. All right, when is God going to give you the power to be a witness? Not before you witness. Seriously, it comes when you open your mouth. And you say those words, and then you find an amazing thing that God does indeed give you power. It's as you step out in obedience. So you need to conduct yourself in obedience to God's word. The things that you know God wants you to be doing, obey today. And as you do that, then you can count on God giving you the strength that you need. That's exactly what Ephesians 6 says. He says, be strong. How do I get the strength of God, and how can I live in the power of his might? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Okay, God's given us things. I'm going to put those things on. I'm going to conduct myself in accordance with the word of God. Have you ever heard the saying? It was popular a long time ago, a number of years back. Let go and let God. And, and I'll tell you, I heard that so many times. I saw it on so many, so many signs on the bumpers, stickers, and everything else. And uh, the, the truth is, uh, God never told you to let go. And, and let God. It's not a good slogan. I know if if that means stop being proud, well, that's fine. But that's not what it seems to 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 be teaching. It seems to be teaching this idea. Well, if you'll just sit back and watch, God will make it happen. And the truth is, God tells us in His Word, I want you to have my strength, but you need to put on the whole. So when am I going to have God's strength? And am I going to be strong in the Lord? It's not until I'm putting on the whole armor of God. Look, it's not letting go and letting God. It's letting God, as I obey and do what he's told me to do in obedience to him. Playing But conduct yourself in accordance with his Word. If I want the supply of strength from God, I need to act according to Bible truth. And then um, go back to First Peter five, if you would. Uh, the last, the last C. I said there was five, right? There's six. Sorry, told you wrong. Um, and and this is this is kind of the follow-up. But continue doing what you ought. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, Paul told Timothy, and been assured of. Um, look in 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. We have all these things um, where he's been giving us instruction, casting our care upon him, humbling ourselves, condescending before him, uh, uh, continuing uh, or conducting ourselves in accordance to 
word. And then continuing on, uh, notice what he says, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish. Does anyone see what the next word is? Strengthen. Settle you. Um, you know, God gives strength as we seek to act in if as endurance, patience, steadfast endurance. As I continue on, even though I don't see what I want to see, even though it's not changing the way I thought it would, for ye have need of patience that after you've done the will of God you might receive the promise. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep on. Keep on keeping on. Just keep going. I want to know God's strength. Okay. I'm going to keep obeying, even if I'm not seeing what I thought I would see. And here's the thing. Sometimes we don't see his, his strength because his strength isn't evidently seen in some miraculous work. Sometimes God's strength is seen in the fact that you're able to endure. That today you made it, and you made it without being depressed or controlled by your circumstances, even though you've been in pain, even though you've suffered for a while. If I want to be made perfect and be established and strengthened and settled, then I just need to continue on and faithfully do what God wants us, what God wants me to do. So continue on, keep on keeping on. If you can spell keep with a C, all right. Keep on keeping on. Continue in the things that you've learned. Now. Um, is that all that God gives us? Well, actually, that's a, a good portion uh, and a number of scriptures that talk about believers knowing God's strength and God's power and God's help, enabling power. People, many of which who did amazing things, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, people who knew about the power of God, Paul, and wrote about having it. People who experienced it, who lived it, and who encouraged us with Inspired writings, inspired of God telling us, look, I have strength. I want you to know it. Here's how you can have it. So the question is not, is God strong? That's not the question. The question is, are you experiencing God's strength? And if not, then maybe you could go back and look at these six things and say, where am I at and what's going on? What do I need? Because I need God. Strong is the Lord God. Revelation 18.8 tells us. He's going to show his strength when he defeats the Antichrist and brings, cuts him down. And, and we don't know how, but God, he cuts him down in his time. He showed his power in the creation of the world. He's shown his power throughout history. And he's still showing his power today. And you can have it and know it.
Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. I, I do want to just encourage you to be in a place where you can know and, and, if you would, experience the strength, the strengthening of God for your everyday life. So um, let me just ask this. Would there be some things? We are going to just have a, a quick, brief invitation. But would there be uh, some things that God spoke to you about? Maybe some thoughts and maybe some different areas that you've been hindering God from being strong on your behalf. And you saw that. God helped you to see that tonight. And you would just say, Pastor, would you pray for me that this week I would know God's strength for my life. He spoke to me about something, some area of my life tonight. How many would just say that from, God, from God's word tonight? God did speak to me about that. Good. Wonderful. Great. I'm glad he did. Excellent. All right. Now, uh, Make changes as appropriate and deal with things for God's glory. Do what you need to do now and take the steps so that you can enjoy God's strength for your life today. Father, I thank you that you've worked in hearts. And I, I know that I, I expect you to do that each and every service because your word is powerful and it's quick and it's powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And I'm thankful for that. And I rejoice in the fact that you did work. And Lord, I know that there are times in my life that I get discouraged and defeated and I allow circumstances to control me. And Lord, I, I want to know your strength. I want to have that power for everyday living. And your people seem to want the same thing. Many indicated there are some things that they heard tonight from your word that they need to consider and practice. And, and Lord God... I pray that you'd help them to see a measure of victory this week and experience and know your strengthening for their task, for their difficulty. And I'll thank you for how you'll work and what you'll do in them. And I'll thank you for what you'll do in my life this week as I respond to what I've, what I've prepared and what we've heard tonight. And Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name.